When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Soccer 101 with Moon and Rockio. Welcome back to Soccer 101. I am Moon. That's my good friend, Matt Rockio. And uh, we got a lot to talk about. It is the, the opening week. It is, uh, we're recording this on Friday, just the weekend, you know, a day before the MLS season kicks off. But St. Louis City SC has already played a game, baby, because we're in the, Confica- the, the CONCACAF Champions Cup, my, 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 my friends, my brothers, my sisters. I'm so excited. How about you, Rocky? I mean, well, it's not to be excited about, especially when you when you when you notch a two-one home victory in the first leg of the round one of the Concacaf Champions Cup. It was a big game for City, a big win, obviously a big moment for the rookie midfielder Jose Kojima. We'll be talking a lot about that win later on here in the pod. But I think first off, we got to start off with the breaking news from today. A little a little procrastination goes in our favor, Moon, because had we recorded this on Thursday. We wouldn't have gotten a chance to talk about the fact that they added another year onto the contract of Lutz Fannin-Steele, the sporting director for St. Louis City SC. That's right. He signed an extension with the club that will see him in St. Louis through 2026. Fannin-Steele has been with the organization since 2020 uh, as the architect who built the club's sporting department from the ground up. He's a fundamental part of the club's early on-pitch success, which culminated obviously in City SC being the first ever expansion team to win its regular season conference title in 2023, and uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, we we've gotten to know uh, Lutz a little bit over the course of the last year, uh, watching him. Well, of course, the last couple of years, watching him yeah. on and off the field, uh, and you know what his vibe is, what that brings uh, to the club, his hires, and all that. And then we've spoken to him individually and uh, and and professionally. And he seems like a good dude. It's a, he's a good fit. I really like him. Clearly, he's he's doing something good. So, if it ain't if it's awesome, don't fix it. Like, don't change it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah. having him on for an extension where we're not worried about that looming, um, you know, him potentially leaving or something is is uh, it's it's a good piece, a good announcement going into the weekend. As if we aren't already excited. Yeah, it's a fantastic announcement. And <clears throat> really, when you, the the details uh, broken down by Ben Fredrickson. In the story today on STL Today in the Post-Dispatch, go and read that if you haven't. It's a fantastic piece. And honestly, first of all, I'm going to react to what you said, which was, man, when you look at it in perspective, it being 2024 and Lutz already being here for four years. And I know that Tom Timmerman, Ben Fred referred to it this way. Tom Timmerman referred to it this way. Santi Beltran referred to it this way. This is clearly Lutz saying, well, it's time for my five-year plan to become a six-year plan. So he's been here since 2020. It's year four of the plan. I'm sure they're already ahead of where they thought they would be. But I really thought what stuck out more so than anything was this quote from the Ben Fredrickson piece, again, from that piece today on stltoday.com. This is really at the heart of what what this is all about for Lutz von I just simply believe my job isn't done yet. This isn't work like a contract. When I came, there was nothing. It's a big part of me and the other way around. You can't judge what we did after one season. There needs to be more time. That's somebody who, who again, he is now rooted in this club. 
And he cannot leave this club until I think he sees some hardware. As Ben Fred put it in the article, Lutz turned down offers from Europe. And this is incredible from to me. This quote-unquote from the quote-unquote multiple Saudi clubs that called upon his services. If we've seen what Saudi clubs are all about and it, when it comes to getting talent for their leagues, not just soccer, you can talk about golf too. That means a lot of freaking money. And again, it wasn't about the money for Lutz. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think, I don't think City out outspent those Saudi clubs to keep him, but I do think that his goal-oriented mindset and his drive to want to finish off what he started is the reason he signed another year. I think it's huge. You get him and Bradley Carnell for the next couple of years together. It's obviously a good combination. They work well together when you talk about building a squad that then Carnell knows and wants to coach. It's a perfect fit right now, and I say keep locking them up as they keep having success. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a risk versus reward thing. Yeah. I, I see it as, you know, and, and again, this is total third-person perspective. I'm so zoomed out here, but um, – He's he's of the age where you can still take risk. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying when it comes to like uh, gambling and betting on yourself and yeah. and really like going career wise. Imagine he's not at a place where and clearly with the signings with the way that they're going uh, forward, we're not going to sit here and celebrate last year anymore. Like that's over. They're they're not here to be like a really you know good performing team. They're looking to win silverware and really up. The uh, the resumes, if you will, of all the staff involved and the people that put this together. So if I'm him and I'm looking at his age and I'm thinking long term career, yeah, there may be some money opportunities pulling me away here or whatever, but I'm comfortable here. It's a good city. It's a good town that's embraced me, allowed me to do what I've wanted to do as far as the ownership group goes. And why not take this opportunity to risk Sticking around, maybe, you know, giving up an opportunity or two that you see coming from elsewhere and risk just another year or two on the contract, working hard at a place that really has a good possibility and has proven that you could roll the dice here and win some freaking silverware and really 2x, 3x, 10x that resume. And then maybe those opportunities come four or five years from now that are just 10x what they are right now. Again, I see this as an opportunity for a man of his position and age to uh, to be basically sticking around to really bet on yourself, bet on the squad. And I think it's a, a testament to to the team as well that he's willing to risk uh, and, and and bet it and, and give up these opportunities to get maybe some silverware with St. Louis City SC. That's how I see it. And and to your point about them not not resting on their laurels, it, it's insane that you you can find quotes now from Lutz, Diego, Carolyn, and even Matt Seebeck on our show on other shows. Um, Diego said it on the opening drive when he joined them earlier this week. You should go back and listen to that on 101ESPN.com. Every single one of them, down to Carolyn, like I said, Carolyn Kindle said it as well, is saying that you know we, we can't rest on what we have now. This isn't about what we did last year. We have to prove to people that last year wasn't a fluke because we don't believe it was. And I just I just love hearing that. Obviously, like you said, they're not resting on their laurels in any way, shape, and form, from the owner all the way down to the coach and the chief experience officer in there as well. For you fans out there, I mean, they're like you said, they're not resting on their laurels in any way, shape, and form. And by the way, this isn't the only move that City has made towards the future another move was made late last week we didn't get a chance to talk about it uh moon and that was john hackworth who was very you know one of the earliest 
coaching hires by this team, you know, right after uh, right after Luke's finest deal, really, he was promoted to technical director. And, and, and really, I think that just shows you that they're 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 taking a team that's still only a year old and they're increasing the scope and they're t- they're doing things that they weren't able to do right out of the gate that normal teams have that, you know, teams that have been around for 50, 100 years. They have technical directors and they have this very stratified way of doing things. And I think they're they're just building on that. And I think you're seeing that again with the move with Hackworth. It's just every move they're making is for the future, is for a long term but with the short-term and medium-term, which is something Lutz talked about as well. It's all together, and I think that's why they have so much success so far. Yeah, you know, and, and the whole resting on the laurels thing, you can't do that professionally, nope. especially in sports these days. I mean, think about this. I don't remember. I don't even remember who won the World Series last year. I definitely don't remember who lost it. But here's, here's the facts. Last year was incredible. It was, it was I mean— as ideal, almost as ideal as it could have been from a business standpoint, as far as getting the word out there, sewing into the fabric so quickly of, of the town. Great for, for, for selling product and all that kind of stuff. Huge. But all the records that we set, you know, the, the, the first couple wins and the first uh, expansion team to do this and do that and do this and win the, the, the conference and all that. Those are great for trivia nights later. That's all great for trivia stuff, but without the silverware, without, without the actual silverware in the curio cabinets and all that kind of stuff. It's not helping resumes in the long run and it's not helping like solidify and really stamp and make the mark that St. Louis SC's badge, uh, you know, St. Louis city SC's badge wants wants to have in the league, in the region, in the planet, um, you know, in, in the world of soccer, if you will, like uh, all the things that we did last year, they're great for trivia games in in 10 or 20 years from now, or, you know, the trivia board during halftime, but The fight but, on ESPN. but it's not something to to continue to just harp on at this point. So they're doing the right thing and they're not paying attention to that stuff because it's it's great and it's cool. And what a season we had, but it's over. Moon, every year on my morning show, I have to put together around uh, I think it's um, I think I, I have to put together around like five or six hundred trivia questions across the whole year. So thank you, Tim Parker. Still do keep doing great things that lead to me getting easier trivia questions to write later on in the year. You're the best, and I and I thank you for that. Hey, soccer fans, let me tell you about Woods Basement Systems, the all-things basementy experts. Right now, you can get a free estimate at moonloveswoods.com because spring is here, and that means rain and wet-soaked ground all around your house. If your basement has musty smells, damp walls, signs of mold or mildew, maybe even standing water in your basement after a rainstorm, you got to call Woods today. Wet and leaky basements do not get better with time. They get better with Woods. Remember, I had that incredibly difficult front porch situation that looked bad and was a total safety hazard and Woods Basement Systems helped me fix that for good. Not only did they level the entire slab of concrete, but they installed piers to make sure that the job was done right for the long term. They can fix your settling driveways and so much more. The basement waterproofing, the foundation repair, egress windows. Go to moonloveswoods.com for a free estimate today. Don't wait any longer. Prevent further damage. Remember, the problems won't get better with time. They'll get better with woods because the problem will be fixed forever it's the all things basementy experts at woods basement systems get that free estimate at moonloveswoods.com speaking <laughs> of that and speaking of adding trophies and getting your name and reputation higher on a regional level let's talk about what went down on tuesday moon as the leg one round one victory for st louis city sc over houston dynamo there was of course a blemish there that one goal doesn't just mean one when we talk about the aggregate scoring in the CONCACAF champions cup the first tiebreaker in a tie after the second leg aggregate is away goals. So as it stands now, 
City needs to avoid a one nothing loss to Houston on Tuesday. And obviously there's a lot of other score projections as well, but we're just keeping it realistic. Avoid a one nothing loss to Houston. And you are going to be going on uh, to round two after this one. So I want to get your thoughts, Moon, really quickly on what you took away from that victory on Tuesday. I didn't get to see the full game. I saw a lot of highlights. I saw a lot of different, um, you know, clips and things. And what that doesn't show me, obviously, is how the team was performing chemistry-wise and all that when they didn't have the ball or when there wasn't a highlight moment. But here's what I saw. I saw a lot of opportunities that were somewhat squandered. So, like, even though we came away with the win and two goals, and and obviously the big story is uh, a Kajimi, I I did see, uh, you know, a little bit of, Early season and first game, sort of. Um, ooh, like you got to see more there. Oh, like oh, okay, yeah. you could, maybe could have done more there. Right out of the gate, I think the first one we, we we should talk about is probably the the goal that gets disallowed because of, of of a very very finicky offsides call. I think that's one right out of the gate because Yarrow doesn't get his head up; he keeps his head down trying to run with the player. He doesn't get his head on the ball. Parker tracks it well, but Parker takes himself out of position to track it. And now Yarrow and Parker are literally standing next to each other as the ball gets volleyed to the side of the box where there's not a single city defender. Yeah. And it was an easy goal if you just take away the the take away the offsides. And that was one of the times where there was two city players occupying the same patch of grass, which is not ever really what you want. And so to your point, there were definitely some chemistry first game out, you know, first game out of the gate kind of situations with city where it wasn't a hundred percent. Luckily though, Houston had some moments like that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's going to happen, but let's say we had a team that that's not happening right exactly. now. And, that's, and, that's and that's a loss and and that's a loss. That That's the stuff that kind of kills you. And that defense has to be solid, dude. It has to be solid. God Man. dang it. Something that, jumped um, out to me, uh, something that jumped out to me about the defense post game. I was, I, I was talking to uh Houston dynamo head coach, Ben Olson and I, I kind of asked him because they were getting some really strong overloads where they would flip the ball from the left side to the right side and they would get, you know, like five men on the flank against like three city defenders on the flank. And they really were using these overloads to their benefit. And Ben Olson's comment to me was, yeah, city's defense will will create huge holes for themselves, which not what you always want to hear about the, the defense, but it's, it's, it's the honest truth when you're having a high-pressing system, you're going to create huge holes on the back end, the question that I think you're getting at is how can they mitigate that while still being an effective pressing unit? That's going to be the big question. I think this entire season. Yeah. Yarrow got lucky. I got a, uh, I got a couple texts that said, Ooh boy, Yarrow yeah. just a, lucked out. Holy yeah, he cow. Had a bad, couple bad passes. Like I said, he couldn't get his head turned around much better. Second half for Josh Yarrow, yeah. despite them. That's when Houston actually did get a goal on the scoreboard, but that goal, I will say from Houston, that was, that was a perimeter problem, a flank problem. That was not Yara or Parker's issue in the middle. Yeah. So with that, um, with that being said, I think, and I think we mentioned this last year, there's a lot of really good coaches now in the MLS. There's a lot of good strategists that are uh, looking for weaknesses and all that. And obviously like, you know, we've been talking about the defense and maybe some of the, the midfield issues uh, last year. These, these, these coaches from the opposite teams, they are studying our squad. They see the holes in each squad. They see, you saw last year when we, uh, you know, had what, what was it? 70 something per, uh, possession in a game and lost it because we got out strategized. They, that was their strategy was to let us have the ball. And uh, and and, against KC, yeah. and use it against us, and that's exactly what happened. We it was it was pure strategy of let's let's make St. Louis, uh, you know, expose their own weaknesses. And 
that is um, that's going to happen. So I'm sure we're going to see a lot of adjustments. Uh, Coach Carnell and his squad, uh, they're they're great strategists as well. So I'm sure they're going to be adjusting and developing all sorts of different ways to attack and uh, and play a team, you know, out on the field. What I did see, and I'm and I'm you know I'm kind of fast forwarding here, was something that I was so excited excited to see, and of course it made the headlines with Kajimi uh, scoring. Uh, you know, the last minute goal there is a sub in the 85th minute. Um, what I was so excited is, okay, the, the the headline, and I'm sure you've already heard about this if you're interested in St. Louis City SC at all, is that uh, Kajimi was signed that morning and then that evening <laughs> uh, scores the game-winning goal in the CONCACAF Champions Cup opener. It's and, phenomenal. And, and we talk, and listen, we talked about Jose Kajima, Kajima um, two episodes ago when we were talking about the games that, that they played in Coachella, and he jumped off the screen for me. but. Last year, I remember being told, you know, when, when City starts, you know, we you know, people were doing a good job of kind of informing us on, you know, the the base levels of, of, of you know, kind of the, like just the rules and axioms of the MLS. And one of them was don't get too excited about this whole MLS super draft thing. You're not going to get an impact player from even if you have a high first round pick. It just it, it's, it's a crapshoot. Maybe if you have a top three pick. But outside of that, you're not getting an impact player for the MLS draft. Don't worry about it. Don't make a big deal. The MLS super draft. And then flipping the second one they have, yeah. they trade up in the middle of the first round, and the kid makes the scoring goal in his debut the day after he signs as a rookie in a CONCACAF game. So, I mean, it truly – I mean, maybe – I'm not saying people are wrong about the, the, the MLS Super Draft. In fact, they might have just been so right that I, I shouldn't have I should have expected to always be ready for yeah. some kind of insane thing to happen from your MLS Super Draft picks. But Jose Kojima, I, I tell you what, I don't think he played in front of 22-5 Rockets fans like that when he was at Wake Forest. What a moment for him to, I mean, and here's the thing. It's not, a lot of people I think are like being like, well, the ball kind of falls at his feet right in there in the box. And he makes a good strike. No, no, no. He makes an incredibly deft steal with his left foot, settles the ball with his right foot, and then strikes in, in, into the open part of the goal. And as he put it, he goes, man, that goal was so open. What? You're a rookie. I don't care what yeah. you're, I don't care. I don't care how good of an angle it was. Steve Clark standing on his flipping head the entire game. And you're like, no, no, that, that goal was pretty open. The kid's got confidence coming out of the wazoo. I'm so excited for him. I'm excited for this team, obviously having an impact player of his, of his age right out of the gate. That was just an incredible moment for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You said it. I think I called him Kajimi earlier. My bad, but uh, yeah, Kajima, like here's two things. You said it one, the youthful confidence, like the, 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 I'm, you know, I'm a first team player in the professional league now and he's got the confidence to feel that that goal was open. That's 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 huge. Yes. But what happened that day, that morning, when I got the press release that said that he was signed, what I did is I looked up, uh, you know, any information I could get on him, and I came across a couple different, um, probably like five or six different supercuts of him at Wake Forest, and then with some other club, I believe, like maybe before that when he was even younger. And here's what I took away from it, and this is why I was so excited when he got on the field, and then of course became the star here, is. As long as he's just kind of finds himself in the system and is comfortable with obvious, which obviously Rocchio just said he, he seems pretty comfortable out there already. Um, this is a guy who I can see as a real center attacking mid. And here's here's what stood out every single time in all of these videos. This dude is quick and he can put the ball on a foot anywhere. 
Now, I know that that's what we've been relying on Edward Leuven for, and that was where he really shone last year. But Leuven's not a speed demon. Leuven's not a, uh, you know, 85th minute, like, sprinting uh, no, uh, up here. He's almost a, yeah, he's almost a CDM. He's a central mm-hmm. defensive mid where, like, I want him bossing people around back here with his body, taking the ball, and then distributing it. And this Kojima dude seems like an aggressive, faster, younger version of what Leuven can be to this team. So we basically have two potentially expert okay. distributors. Like so we're always we're always talking about Klaus. And back, you know, last year we were talking about uh, Joe Akini. We're talking about Adeneron. We need people that are going to deliver the balls to these quick guys, these these uh, these goal scorers, these selfish strikers. And if we have Kojima delivering what I think he can deliver and what I saw him deliver in all those college clips, we've got a massive weapon of distribution when it comes to uh, Jose Kojima. I like the way you're thinking too, because I, because you know, I, I don't, I don't know how much you know that classic you know center attack midi ten role really exists right now in Carnell's scheme. It really just seems like if he's playing a ten, he wants it to be more of a of a, of a secondary presser. Um, whereas your classic 10 is, is playing like a six, eight alongside a more defensive minded guy, you know, Leuven and Blom. Um, heck the, the lineup on, on Tuesday was Ostrak and Durkin Durkin, obviously playing the more defensive side than Ostrak was constantly, um, you know, jumping up on the press and things like that and getting things going with passes. So I think Kojima really does fit, like you said, in that Leuven role right next to a more defensive midfielder. I think Kojima's actually got a lot more defensive, um, skill and, more of a defensive future than Edward Leuven does just because he is a little bit speedier. I just think he's a better, he's, he's better on the tackle from what I saw in those Coachella games. He's uh, got good Leuven, quick feet. Leuven wasn't playing in those because he was getting his green card, great quick feet. So I think he's, he's better defensively. And obviously when you're quicker on the feet, that helps you, especially in this scheme. So I have high hopes for Kojima. One other thing I want to say from Tuesday before we move on is just, I, I, I know I'm, I know I'm a big AZ fan, but really he, he jumped out to me. Um, in such a big way, and I, I really thought it was fascinating. This might be a little bit too nerdy for some people out there, but I'm going to play the clip anyway. AZ was kind of asked uh, on Thursday at the at media uh, day. He was asked kind of about the what was the game plan on Tuesday against Houston, and I thought this was a fascinating way he broke down how they they initiated their press. And if you go back and watch the game, man, he starts on the left side. That's where he was playing nominally. But the amount of times that AZ Jackson was making a big play from the middle of the field or even the right side of the field was consistent and constant throughout the game. So here's AZ Jackson from Thursday breaking down how the X's and O's really worked in that game against Houston. Yeah, um, I think this first competitive game versus Houston, it was a little different how we set up just because Karaskia was coming higher. And, you know, um, we stepped up Thomas Ostrak from the six up, and uh, I had to manage that. But I think we did a good job as a team just uh, for defending and, and blocking that left side. Uh, in terms of attacking-wise and opening the the blinkers, how Bradley likes to say in, in, in training uh, with all of our tens with Celio, Nuckby, I think we were all getting better in terms of um, finding that weak side transition or joker, how we call it, um, and getting into the into the box. So there was a couple things there that I thought really stood out to me. First of all, I think you, you might call him Bradley. He, he called him Bradley first of all, but I also think you might have liked that uh, he labeled the t- the group of tens as him, Celio, and Nuckby. So that kind of just like I was just saying when you when you think about the classical ten. This that doesn't really exist on this team. The tens, as AZ just said, are more attacking and pressing kind of guys. Him, Noak V, and Celio. So not your classical ten. Those middies are playing back. 
with in that in that two man pivot with a defensive minded guy. That was one thing I thought jumped out. But the other thing was him talking about how he had to cover the defensive responsibilities of Ostrak when Ostrak was stepping up from the midfield. I thought that was fascinating because I really think that highlights a part of City's game last year that we didn't talk about enough, which was whenever that the, the reason last year worked was because whatever they had Leuven do. He could do whatever he wanted offensively because AZ Jackson, whether AZ Jackson was playing at the 10 or out wide at the le- at left midi like he was on Tuesday, AZ Jackson was able to cover every yeah. bit of defensive space that Leuven would leave to go yeah. be your primary playmaker. So, I mean, AZ Jackson makes this team work at a different level than they were able to before he started going to the lineup consistently last June and July. He's gotten so much better, and it, he is 100% one of the most important parts of the top 11 of this team at this point. It's, it's, it's so obvious to me at this point, he's going to have a special season. Yeah, you're right. And that kind of thing only works if you got a guy with wheels. You got yep. a guy with wheels and you got a guy with a brain that can go up, oh, got to be here and covering box to box. Like, Oh, got to be here. Got to be here. Got to be here. Got to be here. Like you got to have the wheels to do so. And I know Matt Rocchio has been the biggest uh, Jackson fan since day one. He, he, he's special, but let's move on. Let's do you have a little... jersey with Jackson's name on the back? No, yet? I do not. I do not What's have an easy Jackson jersey. I'm sorry. I, 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 I don't have names on any of my jerseys. Actually, I need to. In fact, can we? Well, let's give a shout out before we change up. I just want to give a shout out to former host of Soccer 101, Michelle Smallman, who got a Smallman jersey of the new away jersey that we debuted last week on the podcast. Smallman got one of those jerseys shipped to her with her name on the back and the day after that they debuted it that Friday morning, she would, or that Monday morning, I think she was wearing that on national television showing everybody the new St. Louis city kit. And she was so proud of herself having her name on the back. I just love the former one one uh, soccer one one and one one host, Michelle Smallman was always repping for St. Louis. She always does, but man, the, the, the Jersey looked fantastic on national television. I'll say that much. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. It was, it was that so is, cool. It was so is, cool. That is so cool. And it's a good, it's a great looking Jersey. I, looking I was proud jersey. to, yeah. Proud to be able to reveal it here on soccer one one last week. And, and then um, obviously having Seebeck in the respective morning shows was, was awesome. We got ourselves some jerseys. We're, we're very lucky. And uh, I, I love the Jersey. It's easy. I thought I didn't know I could like, a city Jersey more than the home Jersey last year, but this one immediately, as soon as Seabeck stood up, I was like, yeah, that's, that's my number one city Jersey. Um, and, and it's an away Jersey. So maybe we'll get to see them wear that next Tuesday when they face off against Houston in leg two of round one. But before that, they do have to open the MLS season moon. And that's what they will be doing tomorrow evening at city park. When they face off against real salt Lake, real salt Lake playing their second game of their MLS schedule as they opened up their season two days ago when they fell to inter Miami and Lionel Messi two to nil your thoughts going into Saturday's MLS opener. Couple thoughts. One, I have high hopes. I think this is going to be great. Uh, the weather is supposed to be freaking sweet. It's going to be at city park tomorrow at seven 30. So like the weather is in our favor. Uh, the energy is in our favor. The, um, the only the only concern I have really is uh, all my friends that are Real Salt Lake fans. Uh, they're pretty aggressive. They're pretty intense. And, Why do you know uh, so many people from Real who are Real Salt Lake fans? Well, I dived because I toured so much, man. Okay, and, and, like, fair all, enough. All my friends from from Salt Lake became like diehard RSL fans. And right. in fact, uh, one one of my good friends he drums for a band called Rancid. He he was from the Used originally. Oh but, uh, yeah, just you know, just a little band called Rancid in the Used. No one's ever heard of them. I well, Brandon. Brandon, dude, Brandon is the best. I actually just bought one of his his pickleball uh, paddles for my son. But Brandon, um, 
after he got into Rancid, Lars got him really into to, to soccer and to the EPL. Actually, not even the EPL, oh, into the championship okay. because Lars is a huge Millwall fan. So oh, he got he got Brandon it's like hard hardcore in the in the Millwall and like okay. Brandon like started loving soccer dude. he started <laughs> loving it and we've talked about it and he joined up on some leagues so every time I'd go out to Salt Lake we would either play uh, futsal with his team or I went out a couple times and played with his team and dude first of all playing soccer in Salt Lake City is freaking tough dude it, up in the altitude oh my god I can't imagine like, I was I'm I'm in better you know quote unquote better shape than all these guys and they were just running circles around us because oh, we were just just just, <gasps> just sucking air uh the entire time um but he got so into it and he got really into rsl he's really good friends with uh nick um oh shoot what's what's a former keeper uh, i mean he won an mls cup with him um gosh dang it i can't remember his name anyways he's got some of the sickest stuff and even like medals and he's got messy jerseys and, and he, he went all in and he was responsible for their believe like their whole campaign because he wrote oh, really, yeah, he wrote like wrote and produced and, and did their whole chant, like an RSL chant, like a, you know, like a full blown punk rock meets soccer sort of chant and recorded a video for it and all that. And that's actually what I proposed to St. Louis city SC okay. and they were not interested. Right. Um, but you know, Hey, maybe we'll give it a couple of years and they'll if be, you, if you, in it. This is a very big tangent. If you ever need a little boost of energy, uh, Ruby Soho by Rancid is a fantastic freaking song to just give you a Dude. little boost of energy. I love it's been one and of my out, favorites since I was 12 years old, I think. Yeah, man. And Out Come the Wolves is one of my favorite records oh, of all time. Fantastic. I can't help but join that band. Like, uh, you know, both of us were like, oh my gosh, you're in Rancid. That's awesome. Uh, but he's, he's been in Rancid forever now, like 10 or 10 or All right. Years. So here, here's my thing. I'm I sure think, he and I, I are going to be text, text fighting tomorrow. This is what I was going to say. I think you're going to have a, 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 a positive text fight in your favor because here's the thing. RSL can be very defensively stingy, except they have problems against teams that are able to press them high, which obviously City's doing at an even higher level than they did last last year. And Miami forced 17 interceptions against Real Salt Lake two days ago. Uh, I think that could be a big thing. The one thing I will say in Real Salt Lake's favor is their three biggest offseason additions haven't really played yet. Uh, they added maybe one of the best young uh, players in the in the entire of North America and Fidel Barajas last year. He came off the bench in their first game. Their um, championship uh, buy from Middlesbrough, Matt Cook, uh, Matty Crooks, is not uh, in full fitness yet because they signed him like a week and a half ago. I don't think he's going to be playing tomorrow. And they signed a new uh, uh, fullback, who I also don't think is going to be playing tomorrow. So. I don't think RSL is coming into this game on the best of turns just because they just played a game two days ago. It didn't go well for them. They're giving up a lot of turnovers right out of the gate, and their lineup is not 100% ready from what it was. They lost a couple of big players as well. If if City can continue to create the same kind of opportunities they did on Tuesday, probably finish a couple more, I think this should be a pretty good game for them on Saturday. Yeah, I think we're all right. Real had a, a uh, uh, I think, a better back half of the season last year and they had an okay away record so they're not a bad squad on the road uh traditionally yeah um i think they'll put up a, a a good fight but i think that if we're as long as we're hitting on all cylinders and do not make defensive mistakes that's so, that's good. and well here's the, and, and i do have to wonder the biggest thing for me going into saturday is just uh the roster and the lineup decisions because you know this is right out of the gate in the season so this is different than when you're later on in the season and you have three games in eight days or seven days, but it's still three games in, in seven, eight days, and that's going to be crucial. 
I just want to play another piece of audio from, from Thursday. This was AZ Jackson when he was asked about if he specifically can play all three games in, in just an eight-day span. <laughs> I think I think it's more so mental. I think Jared, uh, Jared Phillips, he – he was talking about it takes 48 hours for the body to recover, and you know we have three game, uh, three days in between each game. I think it's possible for um, for myself or anybody on the team to recover, and we have a great depth on the team as well. So if anybody um, is stepping up, and we're all ready and we're all mentally focused. Respect to Az Jackson. I trust him that when he says that he's confident that he can play all three games. Uh, but I do think there are probably some players on the roster who can't. So I'm fascinated to see what kind of moves we see with the lineup, what my expectations would be right out of the gate. I would expect that we see more of Edward Leuven, only played about 30 minutes. I would expect maybe to see a start from him with the plan for him to be a subbed out at 60. Uh, so I would expect maybe a start from Edward Leuven. I think Nielsen will get the nod because I don't think you want to be playing Tim Parker three times. Maybe they play Timmy on Saturday, and then Nielsen gets the nod against Houston. Uh, then again, Tim Parker playing against Houston, that maybe he had something he really wants to do on a personal level. So I'm not sure. I just don't think you can get away with playing Tim Parker all three games. So, hey, if you, if, if you had to sit Parker, which one would you sit him? It's your decision. It's Matt Rocchio. Coach Rocchio, I can, would, I play, can I play both games, please? No, you can't. I would play part. I would not. I would not play Parker in Houston. I would play him oh, really? again on Saturday. I'd let Nielsen, who again, who isn't, who again, he's not 100% match fit because he was also getting the green card, so he didn't have the the same ramp up uh, issue. With he has the same ramp up issue that Leuven has. So I would wait for to play Nielsen on Tuesday in Houston. So I would go Parker again. The issue with the back four kind of changeups that got a, a wrench thrown in is that Hebert banged up his knee in practice on Thursday. He was like, I thought it would be 100% for sure to go that he'd be starting at center back instead of Yarrow just to keep that rotation going. I'm not sure about that. I do expect Nicholas Duyer on the left side of the defensive uh, four um, with Nerwinski probably at the right side. I, I just think it's smart to to shift things up when you play this kind of style. And then at the same time, offensively, when you have guys like Nokvi and Celio who didn't play a full game, Nokvi didn't get in at all. Celio got in for a little bit. When you have those guys, I think it makes sense to, to sub those guys in and give a, a Dennerin and a Klaus some time on the bench, uh, some extended time on the bench. Maybe you start both a Dennerin and Klaus, but you pull one of them at 45. But I, I'm a big proponent of when you have depth and you have these kind of weeks, you have to utilize it and you have to utilize it often so that we're not talking about this being a big difference in February as it is in June, as it is in September. We can't have another situation where people are wondering – these guys have played too many minutes. What's going to happen now with the playoffs hit? You have to be planning in February for your decisions to be made in September. I know it's difficult, but that's the big picture that we expect managers to, to look at and maybe not fans or players to focus on. But Bradley Carnell has to be thinking about what happens in six months. Yep. Score line for tomorrow. Um. Oh, man, I'm on a good run with the score lines lately. Uh, I'm going to go with a... Ooh, I'm going to go with a three to one victory for St. Louis city SC. Again, I think the offense is going really well. I know people are really harping on the finishing issues from Saturday. I, I honestly thought that, that Steve Clark had a great game, had a couple of wild saves. I know the numbers don't say they had a dominant game. 
I think they're putting in three against Real Salt Lake. They might all be in the in the second half because that's that kind of seems to be how City plays, where things build up and then finally they just break down the dam and then things rush through. I think they get three goals, and I'm going to say the first one is off a, a press combination from Klaus Adenaran and AZ early on in the second half before probably one or two of those guys get subbed out. That press from those guys is going to be deadly all season. Yep, I see a shutout as long as the defense does not get caught. I th- I think the energy from uh, City Park is going to be absurd, and we're going to uh, to have a two nil shutout or a three nil shutout, uh, depending on how Real Salt Lake decides to actually show up. But I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. I think the energy is going to be impossible uh, for the uh, for the Utahians to, just, uh, to to for the Utes to overcome. I think this. T- I it I. This isn't like a, a, a crazy. This isn't a hot take. I think City's better than they were last year, and I know I know I people. Too. Think I, they, do too. I don't think they played over their expectations, and that's probably true. So that's maybe maybe it's just the, the they're going to play at the same level because this is the level they're at instead of playing above it. I, I really do think this team's better. I think the depth is much better. I don't think we talked about it much, but I think Thomas Totland Totland was incredible in that first game. I thought he was really solid. He had some even some yeah. shots that I thought were pretty special. I think Klaus and Adenarin. Are, are are super special players. The one thing I'm excited to see it that we didn't see last year that I think you're going to see this year, I think Tuesday's game changed when the one-on-one creativity and the stars on this team started coming out. Adenarin made an incredible run off the touchline and almost blasted one in from 23 yards out. AZ Jackson had a special play in the midfield where he volleyed the ball to himself to create extra space. I really think that this team – when they get more expressive, they dominate. And it gets problematic sometimes defensively. As you saw with that that goal against Houston where guys are slide tackling and they're taking risks on tackles that they shouldn't be. you got to know what's behind you. But overall, I really do think that this City team is better than they were last year, and I, I think we're going to see it on the field. Now the big question is, Moon, does the replacement referees worry you? Oh, no. Listen, man, uh, the, the, the referees are a part of the game replacing uh, this whole thing. I, keep that out of your head. I don't think that's a healthy thing to think about. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. We're not supposed to think about that. If we have to complain about something just totally like in violation of everything, right? Uh, then we'll complain after the fact. But th- but worrying about it now, listen. Worry is a sin, bro. Then you're just experiencing the pain twice. You know what I'm I saying? Will say, don't worry, bro. Don't worry. To your point, you're you're right there. Look, but I will say this: MLS, get it figured out. Pay them a little bit more. Get them better flight schedules. Pay, help them pay for more flights so they're not only paying for like the, the playoff games. The, the league, especially in soccer, where, 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 where offsides and handballs can shift games in the biggest moments. I mean, one handball can completely change your season. It's more, I really think it's, it's just, it's even a bigger deal, those one little plays in soccer than any other sport. And so officials matter because of that. So get, yeah. get it right. Everyone's making hand over fist. If we if we need to take down Messi's percentage of, of Apple TV Plus revenue from 10% to 9.5% so we can pay the refs who are actually making the games flow a little bit better every day, pay them just a little bit more and get them clean and, and get them a better flight schedule, help them pay for more flights, let's do it. It'll be better for the game just as much as bringing over every 35-year-old star from Europe is too. A clean, consistent product is so important in American sports, and that's yeah. what you risk when you let these kind of things slip away. Get it right and get the refs back on the field. That's all I got to say on that, Moon. I do agree with you, but I'm not going to worry about it until – No, no, that's fine. Yeah, Don't worry about it until it's a huge problem. 
Hey, back to the creativity thing just for a second. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to in Kojima, dude. Like, I, I yeah. think he's, um, we, we already talked about, you know, confidence. He seems to have the confidence, and I think he's going to bring a lot of creativity. And I 100% agree with Rakio here that this is a better squad than it was last year. And as long as we get the luck, which is something that you need in, in any sport, really, as long as we get the luck, don't make mistakes, um, I think this will be an exceptional, an exceptional season. We're going to see more talent out of this squad. You just made me think. By the way, I think we'll see Bloom uh, instead of Durkin, and you just made, you, I, I will be honestly kind of irked now if Leuven starts on Saturday. It will bother me if Kojima isn't the 65th minute sub for Edward Ed, Edu Leuven. That like it seems like it, it'll be perfect. Like it, like you said earlier, their 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 styles fit perfectly to just you know sub him into that role. If Edu starts in the 63rd minute. I better see eight, 85 or whatever Jose is. I think he's 85. He better be up and warming up to come in for Edu because that's the perfect combination to fill out 90 minutes on Saturday. Make it happen, Bradley. I agree. He's he's on his way to a lower number any time here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, uh, well, Mario Balotelli can work for him. He, well, I guess so. Uh, but let's just not act like Balotelli. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's not let's not follow his behavior. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a perfect way to wrap up, man. It's going to be an exciting weekend. Can't wait to spend some time with you next week. And not just a weekend, um, because I think we're going to be doing an episode late next week, which means by the time we talk again, we will have RSL done. And also, we will be knowing whether or not City is moving on to round two of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Because, again, Tuesday night, they are in Houston. And, again, here's how it works. You have a 2-1 aggregate lead. All you need to do is avoid losing one nothing because they have that stupid away goal tie you know tiebreaker differential so if you lose two to one well then it would be tied up at three games apiece and we'd be going uh, three goals apiece and then there'd be extra time you wouldn't lose in regulation so it's just that one nil loss they want to avoid on tuesday and as long as they avoid that there's a good chance we're talking about Concacaf champions cup round two next week goon yep it's uh it's it's an exciting an exciting next couple of days. Rocky, I'm sure we'll be texting back and forth and all of our friends will be yelling at us and yelling at you know, this guy got lucky and finish and and all sorts of Shoot! things like Go! Go!